see what's coming upon this world is the judgment for sin and judgment on all those that have refused the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved from their sins, to be washed away, and to have a new life begin in them. And it's a wonderful thing when we think of that. But uh, this morning I'd like to go back uh, to uh, the purpose of God in eternity past. Or we, we say that eternity past because we can't comprehend what it is like to have no time. Before time began, God had a purpose in his mind. And uh, in himself, he purposed to have us as a people for himself to worship him and to give him praise and to show his greatness even in the blessings that he's given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he will have that. We know that God created the world to glorify. He created man to glorify himself in man. A wonderful creature. But we know that sin came into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men in that all have sin. But, you know, God is, not, is never short of his purpose even though we may mess up and uh, Satan has messed up the, the creation of God, God in the end, because of what he has purposed in, his, in himself, will have a people for himself for all eternity. And praise God, uh, in uh, fe- April 1981, I became one of these that uh, will be with him forever. And uh, you probably have a time too when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, we pray that you would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ today and be saved from your sins and have this wonderful assurance and blessing that you will be part of the, that crowd that will sing praises to God forever and ever because of what he has done on the cross of Calvary. So here we will re- read in Ephesians chapter 1, We'll read of the blessings that God has for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe we'll read from verse 1 for the context. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, 
that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And all this is to the praise of his glory as we will look at this together. So here we have the, the blessings of God for us. And uh, this is his purpose because he wants to achieve something. He wants to bring something about and he has chosen to do it himself because we could never do it. We were sinners lost in our sins and there was nothing we could do to be reconciled to God. By good works, well, the world has many, many religions that will try to please God and bring the favor of God upon themselves based on their own doing, what they will do. But here we enter into the purpose of God. It's him who has purposed it. It's him who has worked it out and brings it to make it available for us. And we are the beneficiaries of this wonderful purpose of God. So when we look at that together, we'll see here the work of the triune God. It's the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are working together this uh, wonderful blessing that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's like three stanza. As we will see together, there is three stanza here. We see in, uh, the, the work of the Father in the planification of this wonderful purpose from verse 3 to verse 6. And then the second stanza is the Son in the execution of the plan of God. Chapter, uh, chapter 1 and verse 7 to 12. And then the third stanza is the Holy Spirit of God in the application or making it available or applying it to us in the verse uh, uh, 12 to, uh, 13 to 14. But in between these stanza, we have a chorus that comes back and it is to the praise of his glory, to the praise of the glory of God for what he has done for us because it's so beautiful. And if the world, known, they, don't, they do not know what, how beautiful this purpose is, it's because they've never come to embrace it and to receive it. And we only receive it as a gift given from God. So here, these wonderful blessings that we will be looking at together this morning, uh, we have them. If you are saved, if you have received the salvation of God, by the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins on the cross of Calvary, I'm not talking to you about something that you need to search for because you have it. It's just like, you know, on Christmas Day you receive a present and here you have your present, it's all wrapped up and it's, uh, you have it in your hands and uh, you want to enjoy it. But before you can enjoy it, you have to unwrap it. It's yours. It's been given to you. You didn't pay for it. It was a gift. It was given free. Someone intended that gift for you. And as you have this gift now, all you have to do, you, you possess the gift, all you have to do is unwrap it and find out more and more about that gift. And with the gift that God has given to us, it takes a lifetime and then on to eternity to unwrap this gift and to enjoy it and to know the, the blessings that we have in Christ. We have them all. It says here, the blessed be God, uh, the Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us in the past, uh, for those who are saved, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ uh, Jesus. So here we have it. We have the blessing of God. It's all ours. It is, it's all paid for. He paid for it, and he's given it to us, and all we have to do is receive it with thankfulness. And what does that cause us to do? It causes us to praise his name and to worship him for what he has done. So these, these uh, blessings, and we will, because of these blessings, we will sh- praise his name to his glory. That's his glory. He created man for his own glory. And in redemption, we can praise him. We can bring glory to him. And uh, I like to think of that uh, verse in, or that chapter in Second Thessalonians. When he shall come to be admired in all them that believed, because our testimony among you was believed. So here we have, as we will look at this this morning, this is to his glory. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, it says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So the glory all goes to him. So the first stanza that we find here is the planification of the Father. Before time began, God in his mind had a desire to have a people for himself. Well, we know that in creation, he created man in his own image, and he created all the surroundings, all the, the, that we see, the universe. He spoke into beings, and he created man perfect. There was no sin, but as we know, sin came into the world, and death by sin, and now we see that this world that we live in now, created by God, by his own power, is trying to deny God. They don't want the thought of God. They... The fool had said in his heart, there is no God or no God. I don't want the idea of God in my life. I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. I want to have everything I need, not from God, but in myself. And we know how foolish that is. Because you can never have, you can never be fulfilled without God. And, and we, we sing that years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. But yes, the, our life began when we came to the cross of Calvary with our sins. And he, we found out that when he died on the cross there, it was for the world, but it was for me. He died on that cross of Calvary. But the Father had in mind a, a people for himself that would praise his name, that would show forth his infinite wisdom and grace and mercy. He wanted to display that. And how can you display that? But we are just like a, a screen that's, that displays the glory of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. So before time began, Uh, You know, God was not taken by surprise by sin coming into the world. He knew that. And uh, you say, why did he allow it? Well, in order for us to understand the love of God, how could we have understood the love of God unless we were lost sinners on our way to the lake of fire and then we could see that the Lord Jesus Christ, sent by God, would come down and suffer and bleed and die for our sins on the cross of Calvary. You know, we, we can say, as Paul would say, we love him because 
he first loved us. So this is so wonderful, you know, to have known the love of God. And, uh, you know, in order to know a healer, you have to be sick. In, in, order, in order to know someone who will sufficiently feed you, you need to be hungry. And in order to know uh, resurrection, you need to die. So we had to be through that experience to be able to understand the great love of God that he has demonstrated toward us. God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So it's wonderful. But before time began, uh, God has chosen us. It says in verse 4, whereby when he, uh, I'm sorry, uh, when in verse 4, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So here, before the foundation of, of, the, uh, of the world, God had chosen us. And there's one thing that's very important about all of these blessings in Ephesians 1. There's two words that are very important. Never forget that. It's in Christ or in him. Without him, we have nothing. We are lost sinners without him. We have nothing at all. But in Christ... We have everything. He, he that spare not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? How wonderful that is. So the uh, God before the foundation of the world had chosen us in Christ. He chose a people, and that people that he chose would have to be in Christ. Why? Because it says there that, uh, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. How could we be holy and without blame before him in love? Well, it's only when we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, we, we sang that, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? So God chose those who would be in Christ. He chose Christ. That's what the name Christ means. It means the elect, the chosen one. He chose him and all those who would be in him to be his people that he was looking for, for his purpose in eternity. And this is what we find throughout the, uh, the ages. Those who will be in Christ forever in his presence, without holy and without blame before him. That's, that's the need of the gospel, isn't it? If we're going to be before him holy and without blame, we need the gospel. We can't, we can't do it on our own. We need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ may be despised, when we embrace it, it's so wonderful. It's so beautiful. And we'll see as we look at the different blessings that we have uh, in Christ. So we, uh, we see here in verse 5, he says, as part of the blessings, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So for this people here that he has chosen in Christ, for this people that he foresaw in Christ, those who would be in Christ by new birth, and we'll see that, he has predestin predestinated them. So he has found a destination in advance for these people. And the destination here we see in the New Testament, there's three things about this destination that he has beforehand uh, chosen for us. That's what we will be. That's his work. He will do that. And first of all, it's the, we are here in verse 5 that we may be children of adoption. 
It says, having predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, so that we would become his children. This is wonderful, isn't it? By adoption, placed in the family of God. And with all that it means, you know, when uh, you have a child in your family, that child has a place of, he, he has a place that belongs to him in that family. I remember my sister many years ago came and stayed with us. And when she came and stayed with us, she, uh, she was a little shy. So she, she, if she wanted something in the fridge, she would say, Gerald, can I have that? I said, well, you're not going to ask me all the time that you're here for anything that you want. You're here in the family. Whatever is in the fridge is yours. You, you, you just go and you take part of that. You're part of the family. You're with us and you're part of the family. And that's what God has done for us. We're part of the family of God. To as many has received them, to them gave the power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Isn't that wonderful that we have been placed in the family of God. Now we are children of the king. We are the children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is in him, in the Lord Jesus, that we have that. In verse 11, he speaks also of predestination. He says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So here we have been predestinated to an inheritance. It's, it's wonderful. You know, as Christ is the heir of all things, because we have joined ourselves to him, we have become co-heir with Christ. And everything that he has, and I, I like the idea of uh, 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 Rebecca when she was proposed, she was given the choice to become the, the bride of Isaac. I, Isaac was the heir of all that Abraham had. And when she said yes to the servant that she would go and be the, the bride of Isaac, Everything that was Abraham, all the blessings that God was pouring upon Abraham became hers. She was part of the family. And that her children were descendants of Abraham. That's an amazing thought when we think of that. She, she had the choice to come into the family of Abraham. When we think of election, you know, in the Old Testament, you had to be born in the family. So if you were not born in the family, you were out. You only had to be born in the family. The moment you were born in that family, you were in the family. But she came into that family by choice. And that's a wonderful thing about the role of women in the Scripture, how God has created women. The woman is the only one that can come into the family by choice. I have no choice in the family in which I was born. And, uh, but uh, my wife could come into that family by choice. And this is amazing, isn't it? We have the choice. We were, we were not born the first time in the family of God. We were outside. I remember one time I was traveling to Truro and I saw this uh, car with a bumper sticker and it said on one side clergy and on the other side it said born right the first time and it broke my heart. Born right. I wasn't born right the first time so I followed that car and I, I happened to have a track on, with me. It was John 3. <laughs> you must be born again. So I followed that car. And he went into Truro. And then I, he kept on going. And I was going all over Truro. And he realized I was following him after a while. And then eventually he went into Tim Horton. And I, I came out and I said, Sir, 
I'd like for you to know that you need to be born again. And I gave him, I gave him the track. And uh, well, I wasn't born right the first time. I had to be born again to enter into the family of God. So, but then the third thing about the predestination is, and this is wonderful, that we, in, it's in Romans 8 and verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Isn't that wonderful? This is the predestination. This is the destination beforehand. We're going to end up like the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to have a company just like his son. We won't be the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But each one of us will reflect part of his glory. You know, each one of us will have a part to reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in all eternity to the praise of his glory because this is what he wants us to have. So this is, this is so wonderful, you know, when we, we think of that. And uh, like Israel had to be born into the ele election of Abraham, we have to be born into the election in the New Testament. We have to be born again. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, my grandson was just baptized a little while ago. And uh, I asked him, I said, uh, I said uh, uh, Lucas, I said, there's a question here I have for you. I said, it says the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to a religious man. And uh, he said to him something that... Uh, uh, you know, what do you think of that? He says to Nicodemus, who was a religious man, uh, he said to him, you must be born again. What did he mean by that? Well, and it was nice. It provoked a, a good conversation with him. Just wondering how he understood that. But we need to be born again. And what, this is the planification of the Father in eternity past. That's the purpose he had in mind, and he will accomplish that. But why is that? We, we come... To, uh, it says in verse 5, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's his pleasure. Isn't that right? This morning we, we heard, uh, has, as he said, ye are my friends. That's amazing. You know, that we would be his friends. He makes us his friends. That we should be before him holy and be, be, uh, without blame in love. This is so wonderful. And that's his pleasure. He's done that for his pleasure. And we wonder sometimes, why would God love us? Well, he has a purpose for us. He wants us to be his. He wants us. That's his pleasure. Imagine when we all are introduced into his, the Father's house by our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ, having been changed, transformed. When he comes in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he will complete the work of transformation, and we will be like him. And then we will enter into the Father's house and God, it will be his pleasure. That's his purpose. He's done everything for that and he will have that. But then we come to the second stanza and it's the execution of the Father's will, of the Father's plan for us in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one else that could do it. Only his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, could have done it. And we read in verse 7 here, it says, in whom, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We have the redemption through his blood. Isn't that wonderful, the rede redemption through his blood? And it says, according to, uh, according, 
the, the, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, this morning, if I gave you a present according to my riches, it wouldn't be much because I'm not rich. But when here we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This is amazing when we think of that. But the redemption here, uh, what is it? Well, it says, you know, the, the redemption, uh, there's three uh, aspects of redemption. We have, first of all, the de deliverance by the payment of a ransom. Just like a slave market, and uh, someone comes on the slave market and he buys a slave for himself. He pays the price, and that slave becomes his. And that's uh, one aspect of the, the uh, redemption that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another word just with a prefix, the same word with a prefix, and it means to buy and to take it out of the market. So to subtract it to a, another transaction. And that's what the redemption that we have is eternal. You know, lately I, I've been thinking about that, and uh, it's been on my mind, and I, I praise the Lord for that. Because, you know what? In eternity, after we have been transformed, changed, we will never be able to sin again. Because if we could sin, could you, have you thought of that? You know, in eternity, when we are in the presence of God, if it was possible for us again to sin, it would be terrible. But the redemption we have, we have been redeemed for all eternity. We have been subtracted for another transaction. We belong to him. But there's another aspect of redemption too that we see. And this is the, you know, the, the wisdom of God and the grace of God. He has redeemed us, but he gave us freedom. You know, if you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you serve him out of duty, he has no pleasure in that. He wants you to serve him with your, with your heart, out of love. And you know, love is a greater motive. There's, there's no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We know he loved us because he gave himself for us. And you know, when you love someone, you will... I remember when I met my wife. I only knew her a little bit, but I was so taken by her that uh, I, was, I went with my uncle to do a work with him, and uh, I wanted to come back. I missed her. I wanted to see her again. And he was coming back the next day, and that was too late for me because he, uh, he, he was in no rush, and I said, I'm going. I hitchhiked, and I, I was hitchhiking, but in the Gaspé, you have to go across the mountains. It's 144 kilometers across the mountains, and he told me, he said, you'll never get it right there. There's nobody traveling through the mountains at night. I said, doesn't matter. I'm going, and I went, and I, I, I got a ride to New Richmond, but going across the mountains, I walked all night, and, uh, but I made it before he did. I was there before he did, because I, I, I wanted, you know, love is, is a motive, and that's what God wants of us. He's redeemed us, and he's made us free to serve him, and we can serve him out of our, the appreciation of what he has done for us. And this is so wonderful. You know, that redemption is so great. That's the redemption we have. And uh, the forgiveness of sin. When you think of that, the forgiveness of sin. You know that beautiful hymn we sing, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole he is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. 
what else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. You know, when, you say, when we sing that, that verse is so precious to me. And it's according to the riches of his grace. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You know, that's so wonderful. You can preach the gospel to any sinners, even me. You know, I was able to receive the grace of God because his grace much abounded, overabounded my sin. And he could save me. He is able to save to the uttermost those that come to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. So, but how could he pour that on us? It says here, it says, uh, wherein he hath abounded toward us, in verse 8, in all wisdom and prudence. You know, this is so wonderful. Our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins, uh, you know, it's been done so perfectly. There's nothing lacking. There's no fear. There's no, everything has been settled. Everything has been done according to the wisdom of God. Wisdom is intelligence applied to the situation. And think of the people of Israel. When the Lord sent Moses to deliver them from Egypt, to bring them out of Egypt, Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. The Egyptians didn't want to let them go because of all the service they got from these slaves for free. And, the, and Pharaoh would say, who is God? Who is God? Do you think God will deliver you from me? And he didn't want to acknowledge the power of God. But one thing we read in Numbers chapter 33, that uh, when the firstborn were slain in the middle of the night, uh, Israel went out openly, it says, openly to the, to the eyes of the Egyptians who were busy burying their dead. They could see Israel go. They were walking out free. They were going, they were alive. When death reigned in Egypt, they were going out alive and everybody saw them and they let them go. And you know what? When we, are in, uh, when we come in the presence of God and when he comes to be admired in them that believe, there will nobody who will be able to accuse us. Yes, I, I wouldn't want you to know my past because I'd be ashamed. But it's all under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, nobody could lay that to my accusation because Christ stands there. I died for those sins. My blood was shed. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleansed us from all unrighteousness, all iniquity. It's, it's so wonderful. But it's all the wisdom of God. There's nobody that's going to be able to say anything to the charge of God's elect. It's so wonderful for what he did for us. You know, when we think of that. And, uh, but there's one thing in verse 9 we find here. It says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. He made known here his purpose. You know, he could have saved us and uh, without telling us anything. How could we enjoy it? But he made known to us the, the purpose of his will. He, the mystery of his will. He wanted us to come in onto that. He wanted us to know that. And the Lord Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, he says, now I tell you before it comes that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Uh, so the Lord Jesus, this is what is all about prophecy. The Lord tells us of things to come. Sometimes we don't understand until it comes. 
But when it comes, we know that he, we can know for sure that's what he said exactly. In all the details, it's fulfilled to the uttermost, and we know that he is the only one that can do that. Who can tell the future like God? Only he can do it. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he told his disciples what would happen to him, he told them beforehand so that when it would happen, they would know who he was. He, I am he, I am the God of eternity. So he made known unto us the mystery of his will. You know, it's an amazing thing that the world doesn't know what's going to happen next because it's all written in the Bible. We have it as prophecy in the Bible, and we know what's going on in the world. We know what's happening in the world. We know what's gonna, uh, the outcome of all this, and we know that we will be with him forever. You know, if uh, a man has a servant and he wants him to do something, he tells him, okay, you do this and that, and he won't share with him why he does it because he's a servant he's a slave so he, all he has to do all is, that is demanded of him is to do it by duty, out of duty but the Lord says I call you friends and I, I have made you I, I, I made you known I gave you what I was doing so he's given us his purpose in him and he's made known unto us so that we may be able to serve him knowing the outcome you know what? We know the outcome. We know that we're going to be in his presence forever. We know that we're going to be transformed. There's so many things we know that there will be no more sin and we'll be able, we'll be free at last to, to give him all the praise and the glory out of a heart of devotion for him because of his love for us. So this is, this is wonderful that uh, we, he has made known unto us the mystery of his will. Uh, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together the, in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him. So here there is a time when uh, the time has come he will gather all things in Christ. And what does that mean? It means that Everything will be harmonized. Heaven and earth will be harmonized in the will of God. You know, we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ in time will do that. He's told us that this will happen. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will uh, bring us into the presence of God and uh, he will gather us together with God. And then... Uh, in verse 11, it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. You know, when you look forward to something, it's wonderful, isn't it? You have something that's coming, beautiful event that's going to happen. Maybe somebody is waiting to get married. And they're looking for that day. I know my nephew in Edmonton will be married on the 14th. And they're looking forward to that day. It's going to be a beautiful day. And, and it seems like all of a sudden, you know, everything you do is in light of that day. And, and that's what this is here. We have an inheritance. And we, uh, we uh, will have a beautiful, beautiful inheritance. And now we are walking towards it. And that's what we are looking for. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5, it says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled 
and that faded not away. You know, sometimes you're waiting for something, and when it comes, you say, well, that's not that good. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing. That inheritance, when we come into that inheritance, it's going to be so beautiful. I cannot, I cannot describe it for you. And I know one thing, you, none will be disappointed. It's going to be so much better than we can ev even expect. It says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept, even us, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We're not saved. Well, we're saved in hope, but we're waiting for the redemption of our body. When we will be changed, we will be transformed, and then we will come into this inheritance that cannot fade away and is, not, is incorruptible, and it's, it's kept for us in heaven. And uh, it's, it's going to be so wonderful that to have this inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ that he will give to us. So here we, that's it. this is what we have in Christ when we think of these wonderful blessings and inheritance uh, and uh, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So the one who will give us this inheritance, he worketh according, he says here, it's uh, uh, according to the purpose of him who worketh. He's the one who is able to work it out. He's, a, he's the one who can bring it about and it's guaranteed by him according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That's his will and it will not change. So we'll be gathered together by the Lord Jesus Christ into that wonderful inheritance. And uh, this is what we see in, uh, in uh, the, this inheritance here. It's the coming in to this inheritance. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Something is said about this inheritance also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And as it says here, uh, just wait, 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. Just turn to it to for a moment to show how this is going to be wonderful. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. It says here, uh, but as it is written... I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So you cannot even imagine what this uh, inheritance will be like. And, uh, but uh, this will cause us to praise him. And then we come to the chorus again and to the... It says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So we will be to the praise of his glory. But this is all beautiful and wonderful. And uh, we, uh, it's the plan of God from eternity past or according to what we can understand of time and eternity. But uh, it was executed in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus came into this world to accomplish that which needed to be accomplished for the plan of God, for the will of God, for the purpose of God to be, uh, to be uh, available. But now one thing is needed, and that's the role of the Holy Spirit. It needs to be applied. It needs to be applied to us, and that's the role of the Holy Spirit, to apply it to us. 
you know, to be able to say, I'm in. I've got it. It's been applied to me. It's good for me. It's mine. And I have it in the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, it says here, in whom it says that ye should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in uh, Christ. So here, you know, it's amazing, eh? Just our faith in Christ. It, that's what we needed on our part to repent of our sins and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I find it so wonderful when Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi and uh, this jailer who heard them sing the praises of God and, and then when he realized that uh, the, the, gate, the, the doors of the prison had been opened and he thought all the prisoners had uh, gone free and uh, his life was at stake. And he runs in and he says to uh, Paul and Silas, he says, what sirs? He calls them sirs, they're, they're prisoners. He calls them sirs and he says, what must I do to be saved? And it was so simple. The answer was so simple. I, I, I really enjoy the answer that they gave him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He was broken down. He knew he was done. But the Paul and Silas would say a very simple message. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy household also. You know, isn't that wonderful? We're talking about something that is so grand. You know, we, we spend a lifetime to look into these things, to enjoy them and to know about them. And yet when we come into his presence, we'll have eternity to learn more about that gift that we are unwrapping. But... You know, if all we had to do to receive it was believe. You know, that's easy enough, isn't it? <laughs> that to believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, simply as a child, some three years old have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and they were saved. You didn't need to understand everything. You needed to understand that you were lost in your sins and Christ died for your sins on the cross of Calvary. And by believing on him, you had eternal life. That's all we had to do. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't very smart, but I could do that. I could trust what Christ had, did for, had done for me on the cross of Calvary. And when I did that, I was saved. You know, it's been 41 years, and uh, I'm still learning. There's so much more to learn. I, I enjoy You know, don't be afraid to learn more because there's always going to be more to learn. You're not going to come to the end of it. But how it says we had, this is... You know, it's almost like a, when you think of a gun, there's a lot of power in a gun, but there's only a little, uh, the, uh, the, the, a little trigger is that you press that and it releases all the power of the gun. And that's what we had to do by faith. We had to receive that and it released all the power of God for our salvation so that we may be saved. So here we have, uh, you know, it says here that in whom... Ye also trusted after that ye heard. Some people say, you know, I have faith. You say, faith in what? Well, I don't know. I have faith. <laughs> Paul, uh, James would say the devils believe also and they tremble. Uh, believing that God exists, that's not what you need to believe. He does exist. Only the fool says in his heart there is no God with all that we see. But he says you have to hear the gospel before you can trust it. If you don't know the facts, you, can, you can't trust them. You know, if you don't know me, say, I believe you. Well, you don't know me. 
How can you believe me? You need to spend time with me. You need to know what I'm saying to be able to believe me. And he says here, he says, in whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. That's why we go out preaching the gospel and thank the Lord for those who go out open air and preach the gospel. You know, this seemed to be a gift that was uh, neglected for so long, but uh, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for those who go out. I'm not a, an evangelist, and I enjoy going out with those who do. But, uh, uh, you know, we need to pray for that. We need to pray that the message of the gospel, we're here, for the, especially in these last days. The world that we are in, they're heading for the lake of fire. They need to hear the gospel. And uh, when they hear the gospel, many will refuse it, but the blood is on their hands. We have the privilege of telling them and the responsibility to tell them. And, uh, you know, there's one thing when you get saved. I don't know if it was like that for you, but it was like that for me. The moment I got saved by my bedside, when I repented of my sins and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I thought it was so wonderful. <laughs> I thought it was so wonderful that no one would refuse it. I thought I would go around my village and tell them, and they, they would all believe, why wouldn't they? Well, because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that perish, that they would not see the glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we go out and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in different ways. There are those that go out on the street and preach. That's wonderful. And we need to pray and support them because they're on the forefront. Uh, but we, we preach it in our neighborhood, in our families, in our workplace. And wherever the Lord has placed us, this is all a mission field. And uh, just like the, the hymn, you know, that goes, suffer a sinner whose heart overflow. It's almost like you can't contain it. You, you, it just goes out. You just want to tell others about it. So I, after you heard the word of truth, you trusted the gospel of your salvation. And, uh, and then it says at that point, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So this is the work of the Spirit of God. The moment you believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And there's three things about that seal of the Spirit. Well, it's the conclusion of a contract. You know, in the Old Testament, we read when they wrote letters in the book of Esther, and they would seal it with the, the, the king's ring. And when it was sealed with the king's ring, you couldn't change it. And uh, the same thing with Daniel. When Daniel was put into the lion's den, it was, the stone was rolled, and it was sealed there, so nothing could change that. The only thing was that the lions were not hungry that night because God was with him. And uh, Darius would come to find him alive because of the grace of God, because the, the lions never touched him because God preserved him. But uh, same thing, when we are sealed by the Spirit of God, it, makes, it means the, done, the deed has been done. We are saved. We are saved to the uttermost. We cannot be more saved because once you're saved, you're saved for all eternity. I gave unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, uh, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So here we have the seal of the Spirit of God. We belong to him. And also the seal is a sign of property, of ownership. The seal, the fact that God has placed his spirit in us, it means that we now belong to him. And that's uh, just like when you buy a house, like you will not fix it until it's yours. 
It has to be into your name, and then you start pouring your energy and money into it to make it that which you would want it to be. And God, that's what he does. When we have trusted him, the word of the gospel, we, he, he put his spirit in us. Now we belong to him. Just like in the old days, you know, they used to throw all the logs in the river, and they would come down the river, they would drive them to the mill, and when it came there, sometimes there was many different companies who would put the logs, but they were all stamped with a signet. And when they came down, said, this one is mine, this one is yours, this one is mine, this one is yours. And the seal of the Spirit of God is that we belong to God. He, we, he owns us, and we are His. And then also it's the earnest. It speaks of the earnest here. It says, uh, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So here, this is the guarantee that uh, the, the uh, transaction that has begun will be fulfilled. Just like when you buy a house, you put some money down. And you put some money down to guarantee that on the fixed day that the transaction will come into effect, the rest of the money will come. And you know, we are saved in hope. We have, we know we are saved. We know we have eternal life now, but we're waiting for the redemption here. It says, for, uh, for the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So there is a day coming when we will be saved from the presence of sin for all eternity. Our bodies will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We're still waiting for that. It's guaranteed because the Spirit of God is in us. God has put his Spirit in us and he will conclude that transaction one day and it's coming soon. I believe it's really coming soon. When with, at the sound of the trumpet of God, the trumpet will sound and we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and then we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Isn't it wonderful? You know, we, we can trust the promises of God. And this is so wonderful. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a story of Ruth. And Ruth came back to uh, Bethlehem, Judah, but uh, she was a widow, and, uh, you know, she needed redemption. And uh, Boaz was the man who was going to redeem her. And when she showed that she knew him, he came to the point where he guaranteed her that he would fulfill that redemption. He, he was able and he was willing to redeem her. And uh, her mother-in-law, knowing him, she said to Ruth in uh, chapter 3 of Ruth, verse 18, then said she, sit still, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the men, that, that's Boaz, the Redeemer, the men will not be in rest until he have finished this thing this day. <laughs> There's a brother in Quebec, he says that now. <laughs> when he speaks, like he says now, like you, you, make, you apply it to now. And the redemption of her body will happen. The Lord will not be at rest. And that's an amazing thing. He said that he sanctified himself in John 17. He sanctified himself for us. He's praying us to heaven. And one day he will bring, at the command of his father, the trumpet will sound and the Lord Jesus Christ himself will come and he will 
change us and he will take us to be himself. And that is to the celebration of his glory. We will celebrate and then that wonderful chapter in 2 Thessalonians verse, chapter 1 and verse 10 to 12, it says, uh, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. You know, uh, you know what I like to think about that? It's when the, the world will see us. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't look too good now, but I'll be beautiful on that day. And when they see us on that day, they'll say, wow, look what he done with them. They were just like us. They were just sinners like us. They were no better than us. Look at them now. They're glorified. But because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, they won't say, wow, they're wonderful. No, they'll say he is wonderful because it's him. He shall come to be glorified or to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed. In that day, wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, when he looked at, uh, at the saints, the churches that he had established and the saints that were saved, his prayer was that on that day the work would be complete in them and God would be glorified in them. And that's what he wants for us. You know, we, when we pray for one another, we pray that uh, we would be changed more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we know that by his work on that day will be beautiful. All of us will be beautiful because of his grace. And he will be glorified. And it will be to the praise of his glory. So we can praise his name now because this is coming. And we will praise his name forever and ever. What a purpose. You know, when we think that's his purpose, and we just come into that purpose by trusting the work of salvation that was accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. It was planned by God. It was executed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the Spirit of God applies it to us when we believe on him. And we have it all. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So let's give thanks to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we give thee thanks for such a purpose that you would have included us, Father, in this purpose according to your own pleasure, the pleasure of your will. Father, we thank thee that you have made known these things to us and we pray, Father, that as we come to know them, we would appreciate them and enjoy them. And Father, this would cause us to worship Thee, to give Thee praise and worship for this great love wherewith You loved us. Father, we thank Thee this morning. Be with each one that we may continue our journey and in devotion to Thee, live our lives. Make them count for Thee, Father, because of what You have done for us. And we truly, we can say we love You because You first loved us. And Father, we thank Thee for this in the name of Thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.